All right, so today I thought we would look at this question, does God exist? And I will wager that this is related to the self-other conundrum or (laughs) phenomenon, as we could say. So, typically, when we answer this question, does God exist, there are two broad answers. Number one is to do with the idea that there's a man in a cloud and he has a beard and he has a relationship to the rest of the world. He has power over the world to varying degrees. He has an interest in the world to varying degrees and he reveals himself to the rest of the world to varying degrees. And of course, we I say he because most commonly he is a he. And this answer we're not concerned with. There's no man in the cloud. There is no God. There is no divine presence that has a play in our story personally or even collectively. That being the first broad answer to the question, well, does God exist? And of course, the answer can go both ways, right? Because the question, does God exist, can be, well, yes, there is a man in the cloud, or no, there isn't a man in the cloud. And basically, a lot of (laughs) human philosophy, theology, and culture in general is concerned only with that answer. They only have that one side of the equation. Now, the other broad answer to this question, does God exist, sounds a little bit more like this, and this is the answer we are concerned with. Does God exist? Is there anything that is not you that exists? That's the follow-up question. So, to put it not as a question but as a statement, but does God exist answers like this. Yes to the degree that there is something that is not you. So, God is anything that exists that you would say, no, that's not me. Now, from that, there is a vast world of experiences and phenomenons and personal realizations that occur and many theologists and psychologists and philosophers alike would say there's actually a spectrum and a kind of arc to that realization. So, one of the ways this is commonly put is the arc of the ego, the arc of ego dissolution. Another way that's commonly spoken about is the journey of the self, right? So, this is self and other. There is you and there is something that is not you. 
Now, can you sense that? Can you sense there's something that is not you? And that is the answer to this question, does God exist? And the degree and the phenomenon and the experience is, well, that's what we discuss. That's when this answer to the question is no longer broad. It goes into the specifics. It goes into the nuts and the bolts. Now, because it is so broad, there are multiple systems and theories about how we actually break down the answers and we say, okay, well, what do we actually do with this? What does it mean personally? What is the actual experience? And in this, we have to also account for this difference between something which we might call profound or spiritual and mundane. (laughs) And this is another dichotomy or sort of paradox like self and other, right? The spiritual, the the awakening or uh, what's another word? for like a spiritual experience, a a profoundly, like a revelation, not in the sense that it's revealed something, but that it is, the, the gravity of it is heavy. Because you could say, well, yes, there are things that are not me, but most of those things are just normal things, like the chair, the table, the place, the weather, the outside the house. So how is that profound? How is that an insight into God? But usually we say, okay, from that there are these moments in life, these particular moments where something comes seemingly from another world. I can't actually pinpoint what it is exactly, but it is definitely there and it's definitely not me. Now, let's look at an example. For example, you can say, well, the voice of God, right? So where is this voice coming from? You hear voices in your head all the time. You hear your own voice, you hear other people's voices, and you hear voices as people speak to them, right? So if you're listening to me now to any any degree, my voice is in your head, And just that you can easily see, well, where that voice is coming from, you say that it's not profound and it's not the voice of God. But what actually occurs is when you listen to that voice in your head with the correct degree of sensitivity and awareness, you'll find that there is a voice coming from somewhere that isn't other people. It isn't your voice, and it's somehow otherworldly, and it somehow has a very different weight to it. It's very powerful. So the voice of God is just one example. And if you really look at this, it is quite strange that we have these voices in our head, (laughs) right? Why is it that later on today, my voice will come back and you'll hear it again, even though, you know, this episode is long over. It's long gone. (laughs) It is quite strange if you think about it. Now, let's look at another example. The feeling of love. 
When we fall in love, we can say, oh, I love that puppy. I love that boonie rabbit. Right now I'm taking care of my sister's boonie rabbit. It's very cute and I love that boonie. So cute, so soft, right? I really love it. And then there's also, well, I love my friend. I love my family members. I love my intimate partner, my romantic partner. And when we feel that love, it's this incredible experience. It's so intense. It's so powerful. And you think, well, where is that coming from? And you think, well, it comes from you because I love you. It becomes from this situation that we are in together. And it's all thanks to you that I have this love. I love you. Now, that's actually just a very beginner understanding of love. And what does happen as a phenomenon in many people around the world is that they feel this love for for someone who's not there. It's not a physical person. It's not a boonie rabbit that you can feed. It's not the dog that you walk. It's it's something else. It's it's an idea of God or a conception of God or or even not of what is categorized as God. It might be another person. And then all sorts of stories come from that, right? (laughs) How is it that I can love someone I've never met and had no idea about? It's quite strange. And this is just the same as the voice coming from somewhere that you don't know. The voice of God. Now, before I was born, my father, as the story goes, heard the voice of God, and the voice of God was this beaming, powerful, profound thing. And the voice of God said to him, Listen, you should get that spot on your skin checked out by the doctor. And once he'd heard that, well, he went to the doctor and he got that skin spot checked out. And the doctor said, well, this is cancer. It's lucky you came and got this checked out because it might have turned into something terminal. And he had it surgically removed. Now, from the scientific paradigm... (laughs) you would say, well, there's actually a perfectly materialistic explanation for this, which is that a symptom was occurring and that was his neurological way in his brain to actually have it happen that he should go and get it fixed because the body identified on some unconscious level that there was something going wrong with it. And that's fair enough. Now, another example. A man goes to a Richard Dawkins conference. And he stands up and he says, Mr. Dawkins, Professor Dawkins, or Dr. Dawkins, whatever it is, I understand what you're teaching about the God delusion, but it's my truth to me that I have felt the presence and the love of God all my life. And of course, Dawkins says, I'm sorry, I'm not denying your feelings, 
but you are deluded. And this, in these cases, in these examples, it really is a matter of, well, how do you conceptualize it? And what's the real truth of the experience? One of the ways you can work this out is to say, okay, well, experience is real, and yet we tell different stories about ourselves. We have different ideas of explaining our experiences. And if that's the case, well, who's to say that this man's story of God and his way of saying, oh, I love God and I've felt the presence of God is any more or less valid than Richard Dawkins. And you can say, well, science beats this paradigm. Science beats the man in the cloud idea. And the problem with that is that you end up with something quite hollow. You end up with missing out on experiences because here's what we should do. Here's the attitude to take with all of this, with this idea of experience and explaining things. You must say, what is the explanation I can give myself to maximize my experience? Like if I can tell myself a story and then suddenly start feeling love and joy and having this blissful experience, why not tell yourself that story? (laughs) Go for it. Now, of course, the problem is that you do have to believe the story. The breakdown is that you actually have these cognitive things, and you are a rational being. You have rationality. You have a degree of, well, what counts as evidence? What counts as proof? What counts as a structure that's coherent? And if not necessarily believable to you, then functional. Which is why the man in the cloud story doesn't work anymore. But here's the thing. How curious is it that someone can say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you, I trust in you, and they say these words, and then all of a sudden, there is this big opening in their heart, there is this big love, there is this, this, this joyous feeling. What are we to do with that? What are we to make with that? And I don't think it's right to say, well, this is delusion. I think the better way to put it is this is an opportunity. This is a curious insight into the connection between the words we have going on in our head and the feelings and sensations we have emotionally and in our bodies. So to say, what is proof of God... is really to say, well, what is the connection between the words we have and the experiences that we have? And it's clear that people have profoundly beautiful experiences 
and then go ho- go ahead and tell stories about them. And it's also clear that people <laughs> people even reverse engineer this and say, well, how do I actually maximize my story, my psychology, to have those feelings? Because that is an underlying assumption, right? To feel love as a good thing, that is actually a very big leap, right? This is what Richard Dawkins is missing. It's a very big leap to get to the assumption that love is a good thing. That this feeling of joy and openness and warmth is a good thing to have, that we should aspire to, that we should be saying, oh, how do I get that? And of course, there are counter-arguments to this because you can say, well, love motivates violence. These feelings of good don't help us operate in the world, right? You can do violent acts. Well, I mean, here we have to be careful because this difference between feeling and behavior is another one that we have to be very careful with. And really, that's that's a lot of the religious debate, right? <laughs> it's not just experience and the story we tell ourselves, but it's also our actions. And basically, all of the theologists and the atheists will come down somewhere on this spectrum of what drives behavior. What is the connection between belief and behavior? It's almost like what comes first, feeling or thought? Like, is it that we had this experience and then we tell stories about ourselves? Or is it that we tell these stories about ourselves and then we start to have these experiences? And the answer is, of course, (laughs) that reality is multidimensional, inside out, back to front, upside down, directionless, groundless, baseless, and infinite, in all directions, all of the time. (laughs) So, that's a little bit about this question, does God exist? And, of course, it is an ongoing conversation that we have had for thousands of years. And it will change again and again. It will happen again and again. And God is really a word that we must be very malleable with, (laughs) right? We need to reinvent it again and again and look at the different sides of it again and again in different ways. But at least this is a nice little appetizer. So, what is your experience of God? That's my question for you. And actually, I almost forgot, I will mention that I have an online course called Speaking with God. And this course actually goes into this connection experientially of the voice and the experience of the profound. And we look at this connection between hearing the voice of God, speaking to God, and your feeling. And it's all without dogma. It's without belief. It's without 
this theory of this man in the sky or anything like that. It's all experiential. It's all personal transformation, immediate experience. So you can go ahead, check out that course, enroll today. And otherwise, well, this is one of those conversations that we will review again and again in many different ways in the future. So thanks very much. Enroll in the course and we'll be back soon with more.